it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're off. Oh, hey. Hey. Oh, hello. What's up? Hey. Funny seeing you here. Funny seeing you here. What are you trying to say? Nothing. I uh-huh. think you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. And this is our shortest episode. Oh, are we recording? Everybody. Everybody. We're recording? Okay, yeah, bye. <laughs> we'll see you later. We'll see you later. No, I hey, friends. good day. Hello, it's friends. good to see you. Good to see you. I, I'm excited. This is a This is a big little, big little miniseries we're doing here. It really yeah. is. Big it's quite a mixture of movies. It is. We're it doing really some fun is. stuff. Uh, is there anything we wanted to start start off with? Do we want to banter? Are we in the banter mood? I, I just want to give a shout out to Paul Sorvino and mm. David Warner who passed this week. Sure. Uh, legends. Both legends. I have to shout out Time After Time was the first time I remember David Warner. If you've never seen Time After Time, Time it is... Time. Nope. Uh, it, <laughs> it is a groovy, groovy sci-fi action th- thriller about H.G. Wells tracking down Jack the Ripper uh, using his time machine in modern day uh, America. And it's pretty great. And it's pretty it's great. Fun. And David Warner plays Jack the Ripper. And uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Dow passed away uh, Dow. on the day that we're recording this as well. Uh, he was Wally in Leave It to Beaver, mm. another great yeah. actor and 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 producer and writer. Yeah, you know he was doing he a produced, lot of stuff. Yeah. I actually um, have a. I actually got to shake his hand um, oh, wow. when I was a youngster living in Okinawa. Um, <laughs> the Happy Days Gang. This is a sure. true story. Sunday, the Monday. Happy Happy the Happy Days. Days Gang, which included cast members, Henry Winkler was there, and uh, production members and stuff, would travel military bases around the world and play softball against like local, you know, like softball teams. Wow! And so they all came there and they did this huge thing for the for the schools, and then they like kind of did a meet and greet, and I got to shake uh, Tony, Tony Dow's hand. hand. Yeah, that's know? pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. Fun. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a huge Tony Dow fan. I don't know why. I don't know if he was just like a big Leave It to Beaver fan, but he he would bring him up often. That's all I remember. <laughs> uh, it was kind of weird. No, but uh, I'm I. Uh, that's all sad and and terrible. But like they left marks, right? They definitely oh, yeah. undeniable oh, yeah. marks. Um, so I, I I got let's get into it. I I am so excited to talk about these four movies. Uh, we have two that were prepped to record today. And um, we'll see how we feel at, this, at the end of this episode. We might break them up into multiple parts so you can choose what you want to listen to. Yeah. Normally we do two of these at a time. But no, this is a, this is a podcast. So I'm going to introduce it. <laughs> what? Yeah, let's do it. Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, the official term now that we've hit over 100 episodes is podcast. Uh, no, welcome. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Luggett. And as always, to cleanse our palate between every fifth playwright. Well, I'm not going to do the cleanse the palate thing. That's what I say for the end stuff. So that's not real. Uh, we're back with another <laughs> bonus miniseries. It's After a every, bonus mi- yeah. It's a bonus miniseries. Every five playwrights, we take a break. And we watch some movies. 
Yes. We're usually theater related. Actually, they have been pretty much every time. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is part one of movie musicals. Mu- right? Musicals that are movies. Movie, yeah, into you're movies. right. Musicals movies. that are movies. So yes. this is no, 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 you're wrong. That would no, that's, no, different. that's incorrect. This it's is movie musicals. That were musicals. Correct. This is movies that were musicals. I'll get it okay, right on okay, the cover okay. art. Because uh, <laughs> what you're saying, CJ, would be movies that were just movies. Musicals w- that were only ever movies. What I was trying to say well, and didn't say it well was musicals turned into movies. Hmm. Yeah. So my bad. Well, right. No, no but that's correct. Uh, <laughs> because normally we do turning plays into movies. We could do turning musicals into movies. We'll call that, uh, call this one that. Uh, production meeting. Done. Done. <laughs> Noted in the log. No, I is... am noting in the log yes, right now. <laughs> okay. There we and, go. And uh, normally for these, we would be joined by our dear friend, Pam Quinn. She writes all of our, our songs for all of our episodes. You just heard a song by her at the top of this episode. It's the mm-hmm. bonus episode song. It's time for a bonus. And she she's fantastic. She could not make it for this recording session this week. Uh, I think she just hates us. But that's well, a different yeah. conversation. We've had some talks lately. We've had some talks. Yeah. Uh, no, not for real. I, no, but she's excited to get into it next week because she chose her choices next, next time. Next mm-hmm. week. So, um... This time, however, mm-hmm. uh, over the course of this miniseries, we're going to be covering four movie musicals. This time, we're going to be covering Fiddler on the Roof yes. mm-hmm. and Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. next week with Pam, we're going to be covering Into the Woods, Disney's Into the Woods. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. yes, Disney's Into the Woods. Uh-huh. And uh, also the new Steven Spielberg West Side Story. So that's going to be an absolute blast. We might break these up into four episodes, but for now, this is part one of turning musicals into plays. Welcome. No, fuck. Turning, <laughs> turning musicals into movies. Your face, your anger at yourself. We can't great. even edit it because we laugh so hard. Turning, turning musicals into into movies. Yes, we did. You did. It. You did and it. this you is did. Uh, this is Fiddler on the Roof. So yeah, very excited. Uh, any initial thoughts before CJ breaks it down? What a fucking, whether this is just episode one and two or just episode one, what a mix of movie of musicals turned into movies to cover. Like, yeah. Yeah. They were yeah, fun it, to watch back to back. It is great. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It just so different. Each one of them. And, and nostalgia ultra yes yes. nostalgia ultra like every all four of them even because i know west side story only came out this year right Mm -hmm. but it brings me back to the multiple times i've been in west side story the multiple times i've seen west side story the billion times i watched the original movie as a child Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there's a nostalgia there too um Mm -hmm. and then end of the woods just as a musical We'll get to my opinions on that film later. Yes, (laughs) yes. Which I'm sure we all have. But Fiddler specific, I kind of want to know your context with it. I kind of skipped that. I want to know how you grew up knowing Fiddler, or did you? How were you introduced to it? Scott, start us off. Oh, man. Um, I remember seeing a lovely production. It stuck in my head for a long time when I was like, young like seven or eight uh i don't know if it was a college or a touring company i don't remember i just Mm. remember kind of being 
a kid and I think I was with my folks and just going, this is great. It was long. I remember it being long and feeling yeah. that, but then I was just so mesmerized by it. Um, I've never done it. I've seen like two or three productions of it. And then uh, I remember, oh, this is dating myself real bad, but Ooh. I remember when it came out on home video for the first time. Yeah. And that was kind of a big deal. And they had like remastered it and cleaned it up. And it was sort of the beginning of that phase of home video where it's like, we've remastered it. We went sure. back and cleaned it up. And was it like mid eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Right around there. Mid, mid to late eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember just watching the film and we'll talk more about the director, Norman Jewison and what a Can't wait. fucking eclectic, weird career he had and yeah. just how meticulous it was it was I, I i really just and i loved doing the rewatch of it it was it's just cool agreed siege what is your relationship with fiddler well the first thing i wanted to say was that um this was my pick and i did not realize until i rewatched it yesterday that norman jewison also directed my first musical turned into movie pick jesus christ superstar that's correct <laughs> yeah. that is correct i did not do that on purpose I... um better I directing did... outing here if we're all being honest with ourselves yeah sure um yeah. but i fiddler on the roof i had the double cassette tape box oh. of this and yes. i didn't i actually like my i remember my dad always talked about it and we either had a record it was a record cover from like the broadway cast with that old painting on the front of it yeah um and so i remember always seeing that image at home and my dad talked about it all the time dad always famously says he loves fiddler on the roof but it gets so sad after the wedding <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah act two is heavy yeah the pogrom and such yes it's act one, I well and we'll get the end of it. act one yeah sure. yes and I, um, both of these, I came to as a kid. And then I did Fiddler on the Roof in between my sophomore and junior year in high school at our like summer theater guild thing. Mm. And I, I, it was a tough production because I really wanted to be Hoddle. And I mm. got put in like the ensemble. <laughs> yeah. And the gal that played Hoddle was couldn't sing as well as me but i was mad about it the whole time um but i do love this musical and then didn't even get to the movie until i started doing the play that summer and then i watched the movie all the time and it's one of those movies like jesus christ superstar that as soon as the opening credits start i or as soon as the opening tune starts i'm uh -huh. crying like yeah. There's yeah. so many banger songs in this musical, and I love so it many. so much. Okay. Yeah. I grew up watching the film, the film, uh, yeah, the, the film. Topol film. Uh, obviously, I, I just, it was one of those that was in our house. I think we had a VHS, and we would just put it on sometimes, right? Yep. Same with Oliver, exclamation point. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Same cinematographer. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, and, and just one of those movies that I knew forwards and backwards as like a seven-year-old uh little shop actually was the same way so th those were two musicals i was introduced to really early in life i played tevya my mm -hmm. junior year of high school <laughs> uh, and i got the part over a senior and it was <gasps> drama oh, it was drama shit. oh i love it and even more drama which i will never do this because this created so much shit but they did 
they double cast all of the female leads. Oh. So the three daughters and Golda were oh. all double cast, and it was cast with one cast upperclassmen, <gasps> one cast underclassmen, and they both got the same amount of performances. <gasps> oh. So it wasn't like a special, it was like, they could have cast it out of the underclassmen, but they felt like they couldn't do that. Yeah. So they, but however, I will say, both casts were actually phenomenal. We, I went to a uh, arts high school from preschool through high school, and they had a lot of money in the theater department. And mm. so we did pretty massive productions. Uh, the sets were all built by Michael Downs, who does things for the Olympics and MTV and and all over New York and, and LA. And it was it's it was a fully produced fiddler. Like it felt really re- real. Now, I am not Jewish. Uh, yeah, I probably won't ever be able to play this role ever again, <laughs> yeah. but it was so fun. And it was uh, years later, I got asked to come back for a huge benefit at the school and they just asked me to do rich man. And I was like, sure. And you know, like that kind of like, it's, it's my one little legacy at the school. It feels like where people remember me for that in some ways. If, um, if you don't mind me asking what, what was your, where was your voice vocally? Like, were you a solid baritone by the I was, age? Yeah, now okay, it that's it, an interesting question Scott because <laughs> I grew up in a in a traveling boy choir my whole life. Um with the same voice teacher my whole life who I I was a high soprano when I started in boy choir, right? Mm-hmm. Ended up in alto by like 7th or 8th grade, but mm. I was singing tenor one my first two years of high school. Oh. I found weed my sophomore year of high school Uh. (laughs) by the time i was a junior and senior i was hitting the lowest bass notes in choir but i could still sing tenor two like i couldn't hit my up my really upper register anymore yeah smoking will kill that tenor one it really killed it it really really did like i actually i i'm gonna to my kids and beyond i'm gonna make sure people know that because it did it just killed like some of those upper register notes that i had been training for years and just couldn't do them anymore. And I, um, but I, if, if someone had asked me at the time, I would have said baritone because I could do the range. Right. Okay. Um, of course I, you know, that same year, I think I went in and sang Maria from West side story at an audition for Greece, the musical. And I took, I optioned up to the higher note in it and I hit it and I like hadn't ever hit it in a rehearsal and I did it and I was like oh I still have it and then I got cast in a role that has to hit that (laughs) note and I like never could do it again Um, but it was fine uh all that to say yeah I was I had a pretty great range I was I was a singer I was a I was singer more than actor as a as a kid that was more my thing I was a choir kid I was also a band kid so I I saw myself as a musician Mm. um I really fell deeply in love with musicals starting with when I was in Fiddler. Mm. It was the moment where I was like, oh, I could do this, right? Like I could go to school for this and I could really like maybe fall in love with this. And Fiddler as a show, I love from top to bottom. I, I often put it in my top five musicals. Sometimes it gets bumped by something just in the moment, but it, it's just something that has to be in my top 10. And I love the movie, and I have a lot to say about it, so I want to get into it. But first, I think we need to tell people what this thing's about. So, CJ... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. I love when you do this, by the way. It's one of my favorite things on the podcast. I 
love that we added this this season, and I want you to keep doing it forever. So yeah. break it, break it the fuck down. Break it down. CJ's breakdown. In 1905, Tevya, a poor milkman in the village of Anatevka, attempts to maintain his Jewish religious and cultural traditions as outside influences encroach upon his family's lives. Ugh. Yeah, like a motherfucker they do. It's a very basic telling of it, but I didn't want to no. divulge too much. Well, and that's great because it sets up everything that I was thinking about this time through. And watching it where I was really kind of like, oh, I really want to identify these themes and where it goes. And it's it's the I think it's a juxtaposition of the existential outside forces and then the very human internal forces that create the the, the change that happens and the power of tradition that we're going to set up tradition so that we can crack it apart, on, you know, in, in a beautiful but sad way. Some something I'm finding rereading all of these plays that we've been doing and rewatching all this stuff, especially these movie musicals that like I've grew up with that I loved as a kid, that I loved them because I liked the characters and I liked the songs. Yeah. To be this age now and have a greater understanding of it's like, you know, when I was a kid it was just about World War Two and the Holocaust. But now to have a greater understanding of what historically was going on at the time and just a greater understanding of like I don't know, human emotion and struggle and everything, watching it this time felt so much different than it did when I watched it when I was sixteen. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. There'd be something now, wrong with you if that wasn't the case, you know? Right. Right. There's, right. Um, there might be something wrong with you, CJ. There no. is absolutely. I can tell there by is. the, the a lot blood no. coming out of your ears right now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to point out. You know, we're here to talk about the movie mostly and like how it how it did and like in our take on the movie as a form of movie musical. But I I want to shout out the original musical came out in 1964, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a it's a Bach and Harnick or Harnick and Bach or however you want to say it. it's Jerry Bach and Sheldon Harnick, um, and uh, I think the book is by. Joseph Stein. Yeah. Double checking that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Joseph Stein. Um, And it is based on the Sholem Aleichem book, Tevye and his daughters, also known as Tevye the Dairyman, which is like a, it's just a collection of, of Jewish stories, right? Cultural Jewish stories set around that time. Um, And it's, it's the first musical to surpass 3,000 performances on Broadway. So we should mm. note that right away. It's the first right. one that it just was, like yeah, it held blows the record. things up. It held yeah. the record yeah. until Greece in the Until 70s. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> almost 10 years, it held the record. And then, yeah, Greece comes out, blows it out of the water um, uh, with its run. And then it, since then, I, you know, 10 things have beaten it. And now it's, I think, still, is it still it Phantom? Still, it's still, I'm, ooh. No, it I was think cats, wasn't Andrew it? Lloyd is it cats? It's it either cats. cats or Phantom. One is as the longest running. <laughs> no, but cats, I think, has been. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is that Les Mis? We have Google. No. Oh, it's not Les Mis. They don't have a consistently running Les Mis on Broadway. Uh, they have yeah. a consistently running Phantom on Broadway for 30 years now. Wow. Yeah. All right. Look it up, Scott. I'm looking um, it up. Anyway, so I just I wanted to shout that out because then about, you know, Seven so years later, they make the film. Uh, and I, I want to talk about Norm, Norman Jewison, 
the director yes. of this. So yeah, so this is his. I mean, he's done a couple of major things before this. Specifically, he's done some cool TV. He did the Judy Garland hour or whatever it was called. Mm. I'm trying to find it. He did like an hour with Danny Kaye, the Broadway of Lerner and Lowe and the Judy Garland show. He would direct a lot of these things for TV. His first really massive hit is In the Heat of the Night, which is a phenomenal film. Scott, I feel like you like In the Heat of the Night. Oh, my God. It's, yeah? Well, and you have, and it's a, it's a movie that you have to put in context and I remember just as a kid seeing it, and it was it, it kind of shook you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sidney Poitier. Phenomenal film. You know, Poitier, maybe one of his best, like truly phenomenal film. And and what it was doing racially, racial politics in, in America and film right then, it was. And Steiger, and Steiger is the as the sheriff, and he slaps him at one point. Sidney yeah. slaps him, and it was this huge deal. It was I, a that's huge all I remember. Huge deal, yeah. After that, he does Thomas Crown Affair and Gaily Gaily, but then he does Fiddler on the Roof and sort of falls in love with musicals. The next year, he oh, I mean, he had done musical things before, but he does Fiddler on the Roof. Then he does Jesus Christ Superstar two years later, mm-hmm. and then he does one of my favorite movies, Rollerball, Rollerball. starring James Caan. <laughs> Is the shit. I love like, that movie. I, I love rollerball yeah. yeah i love rollerball uh, such a weird fucking flick too yeah man. no it's, it's so incredible weird. and they remade it in the 2000s uh, no, and i don't remember awful. that one but no, the, the original's rad yeah what's the original it's like if logan's run met solar babies or something yeah. and had like a, like i don't know it's just it's and so then they good played hockey it was yeah the, yeah yeah, yeah. Was um like, so then, besides that, he did the Agnes, uh, Agnes of God movie. He did a soldier story. He also directed the Shanley written film starring Cher, Moonstruck. Yeah. Mm, another yeah. phenomenal film. Uh, he did The Hurricane with uh, Denzel. Denzel and, 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 and these guys. Denzel things, right? credits him a lot. He, he did an interview when he did, when he directed, um, oh, what's the film he directed? The Denzel did um john q i don't know what did nah, he do? anyway but he um he talks <laughs> about norman jewison that that's who he he stole from as a director and, and he was like he's like he always starts off with a each was scene fences? starts with a static shot didn't he direct fences is that what you're he talking did, about no uh, uh antoine uh, fisher antoine fisher that was the that was antoine the, fisher rocks it does and he directed it but he does he steals straight from Norman Jewish. Every film. every shot starts with a static object and then backs up into the action of the moment. And Interesting. It's, it's really cool. Like and listening to Denzel talk about him, but yeah, just an amazingly eclectic career and like pretty consistently great quality. Agnes of God is really yeah. like, ooh, that. Yeah, like, I've never seen my, that one. Yeah, it's good. The play is good too, but the the movies in particular. Anne Bancroft's in it. Uh, uh, Jane Fonda. That's a good one. So, so she's a good one. I want to kiss her. <laughs> um, so, uh, real quick, just because you know, I like this stuff. The the awards. It gets some Oscars. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is the same year, 1971. This is the same year as French Connection. So, French Connection sweeps everything this year. Yeah, I mean, it, gets it director, was director. It it's like you can't, uh, you picture, know, you can't ignore yeah. French Connection. However. Uh, we we get some some great noms and some wins. We we were nominated. Topol gets nominated, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for best actor. 
Leonard Frey gets nominated for model, which is kind of oh. a great two, nomination. Were those the two? No, because Topol hadn't been doing it on Broadway. It was Zero Mostel, no, right? He had not. Yeah. Yes. So we'll get to that in a sec because I okay. actually have yeah, a lot yeah, to yeah, say I about that. It's really say. interesting. Another JC superstar. That's right. Ish. Yeah. So then picture, uh, it gets a Best Picture nom and a Best Director nom. It doesn't win any of those, but it does win uh, Best Sound Mixing. Hmm. Best original music score, which was done by who? Oh. Major composer of right now. Who Lin is Manuel Miranda? No, that would be awesome. No, <laughs> no. John Williams. John oh, Williams no did the score to this shit. film. No Can you believe way. that? No, no shit. So all I, the I, extra, I extra music that surrounds when they're yeah. not singing and stuff. Oh, he, I God. mean, he uses themes sure. from the songs, but he does all of the. Extra music. Incredible. John Williams. Yeah. We love John here, Williams. Here, yeah. uh, so it gets music score, sound mixing, and it also wins best cinematography. Now, I just want to take Ooh, one digression. Girl. One digression. I think you're going to do the same digression I wanted to. That's legit because this, this cinematographer, it's a beautiful, beautiful film, right, from top to bottom. I think it looks better than maybe any other movie musical of the time. I think it's like we'll, – we'll get to that too. But – his name's Oswald Morris. He also yeah. did Oliver, exclamation yes. point, the movie. He also did the uh, a couple of Bond movies, mm-hmm. specifically some weird. Roger Moore Bond movies. Yeah, yeah. He did The Wiz. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a good-looking film. Which is a uh, good-looking film, weird one that we'll definitely weird talk about soon because design. we're covering the – Right, but we're covering the live NBC of it, so we'll definitely yeah. have to talk about that movie. He did The Great Muppet Caper. Here, here. One of my favorite films of all time. And Dark Crystal. Uh, Jim Henson's Dark Crystal. Okay. And we'll get to Jim Henson later in this episode talking a little bit about uh, about Little Shop. More crossovers. Now, one of the number one films that he did, though, what he made most of his money on was a film that I think he was also nominated for this film uh, that we have talked about on this podcast a few times, but we've never actually covered it. This is uh, Lolita. Mm Mm-hmm. He is the, the cinematographer one? for the Kubrick Lolita. Yes. I see. Yeah. So, but it's, I love this guy. I, yes. Okay. I have one uh, Oswald Morris digression. Okay. Did you, I don't want to step on your toes though. Ben. I don't have it. Okay. Okay. Um, he, um. okay. I'm going to read. He okay. was famous for shooting color films in unusual styles to shoot the film in an earthy tone. Morris saw a woman wearing brown nylon hosiery and thought that's the tone we want asked the woman for the stockings on the spot and shot the entire film with the stocking over the lens. Oh, and really? in some of the shots, particularly they pointed one out in Matchmaker, Matchmaker, you can see the weave of the stocking. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Create, filter, yeah. He And and then, well, and then in terms of the original design, um, it was what, Chagall? Mark Chagall? Yeah, it also got a... Yeah, it also got a production design Oscar nomination, by the way. Yeah. I forgot about that. Sorry. Um, but that's, you can see him pulling on on that. And he does just some amazing compositions of shots. Like, if you notice that he, he, if there was a group of people talking and they would do the cut, whoever they were cutting to, whoever the center of that moment was, would be then framed by the people around them in a really interesting way. Like, the guy, the men are all like gathered around the the milk cart and the first time the guy shows up with the newspaper with the bad news. And then as they cut and you have like three or four characters talking to one another, every time they cut, the composition of 
of them is that they're surrounded by the other ones on levels and it's just really cool like i was really knocked out by not just the look of it and we'll also have to talk about the uh Acid nightmare freakout scene. That sure. Tevye has. <laughs> I love Sarah. Oh my god! Sarah like, is one of my favorite scenes so ever. Yes. I love it. And it's so gorgeous in its design and and um, photography. But yeah, I, uh, I I was really knocked out by how good it still looks with all the technology. I mean, for sure. He's shooting all that with you know a five hundred pound camera. Yeah. Something- <laughs> Something that definitely hit me differently this time around is, again, growing up in the all-white, all-Christian Midwest, the thing that people always talked about, especially my mom, was the Russian tenor solo in L'Chaim. Mm. And how beautiful so, that is yeah, and how, how it just stops so, yeah. the show. Yeah, so And good. then watching it this time, I was like, instead of sitting there in the audience and marveling at how amazing this Russian tenor is, it's like, this is a threat. This scene mm. should be oh, yeah. tense. And it, this is it, foreshadowing it to way. the wedding. Yeah, it's but I that way, right? I've never noticed it before. Oh wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I mean I think it has to have that tension of are they about to beat us up and knock us out of here? Right. And then he ends up being like, no, we're because that's actually the tension of the first note. He holds that or whatever it is, and they yeah. all just stop and they're like, what do we do? What do we do? And then he starts singing slowly this thing and they're kind of like okay right and then they slowly encroach upon each other until by the end they're dancing in a in a whole heap by the right. way the senior who i beat for tevia played that role so so <laughs> when we did it at our community theater it, it's like if they did carousel they're like oh i love this musical as opposed to like actually realizing what's going on the mm-hmm. person that played the russian tenor was this kid that was known in our area for having this big, beautiful tenor voice. And it was just a moment for him to take center stage and everyone be like, oh, he got that part. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, yeah. right. And sometimes you you have to do that and you can um, you know layer it in. I guess one of the criticisms of the original musical, um, as well as the film, was that that role, that the all of the Russians, specifically the one... The main Sings, Russian guy, yeah, yeah uh, was the, many felt that it was watered down in the original stories. He oh. it is it is not a friendly relationship. It is almost like a prison guard, and um, it's it's a br- brutal thing. And Tevye is very much afraid of him. And in the movie, he plays it. I, I think Topol plays it so well. He's being very respectful. He's nodding, but he knows that this dude could for, take him out right. like that. Yeah, so. Well, and I read too that I guess. And it's been a while since I've experienced the live musical, but like Norman Jewison was specifically going to make the movie a little bit even more serious than the live musical is. Mm. Well, yeah. That's I don't know. I read it on IMDb. Well, I, don't know if I that's think true that or not, but as, well, that is the tome of all truth. So yeah, and I think that <laughs> you know this is this is a long musical, uh, and as we talked about earlier, that second act is is dark and you don't have the big showstoppers that you have in the first act. You don't have, if I were a rich man, you don't have tradition. You don't have matchmaker in the second act. Everything's more somber and dark. Still slaps though. Still slaps. slaps. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, that's that's (laughs) not a criticism. There's some great numbers in the second act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But all I'm saying is that in, uh, in, on live on stage, I think you would need to, um, turn up you know find find a little bit more release valve humor kind of wackier stuff like the yeah. arthur was the original 
Matchmaker on Yenta. Broadway. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that. she That's was crazy. the original Yenta. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, Star Wars holiday specials, B. Arthur? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, we should we should also say real quick, because I want to talk Topol, and I want to mm-hmm. start yes. kind of going through the, the cast a little bit. Uh, Norman Jewison was not Jewish. Right. No. Uh, right. In fact, he was hired when the producers thought he was. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think because of his last name, maybe. Uh, but they they fucked that up. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, okay, Topol, Chaim Topol is his real name, uh, but he goes by Topol. And he here's some interesting things about Topol. Okay, he was playing Tevya in the Tel Aviv fiddler uh-huh. when they were searching for their Tevya. Okay, he had done a couple of films. He had actually even done one English-speaking film where he had to, like, learn English through those lines. He did not know English through the making of this film. Wow. So he was being uh, directed a bit by a, a, a interpreter, but he was also learning English through this script. That's amazing. So he had already been sort of learning it, but he couldn't fully. He wasn't fluent. It, he it's wasn't like Bella, comfortable it's like with the Bella language. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi yeah, learned absolutely. English by yes. learning Dracula phonetically. Dracula. That's 100%. why he sounds like this. Yeah, because he was <laughs> and just so, he was memorizing syllables and sounds, not words. And now that's how we play him every time. Yeah, it's like the play. whole way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to suck your blood. Uh, and so. Topo is kind of the same situation. He he gets plucked out of the Tel Aviv uh, production because some producer had just seen him in it and was just like, oh, he could do it. And so they call, they plucked him out. He gets the role, and he goes on to be a huge American star. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he specifically... He was just at the Pantages like five or six years ago playing. Was Jessica. he? Yes. Yeah. Right That's amazing. Passed, yeah. yeah. And he's, and he's only no, like he's still alive. Oh, he's is only he? like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's I'm, alive. Oh, my he's bad. like thirty five. He's thirty five. Thirty five in this film. Yeah. He's like thirty two playing Tevya on in Tel Aviv. Right. And so he plays it for like a few years and then they <laughs> and then they they cast him. And so um two movies I really loved him in as a kid because I would search I would fall in love with actors and then I would search out all of their filmography, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I really love For Your Eyes Only, which is a rock. Yeah, I was just on. about to bring it up. <laughs> okay. Phenomenal film. And then the other one I always I actually I would argue I maybe think of this before I think of Fiddler when I think of Topol sometimes is Hans Zarkoff in Flash Gordon. Yes. Which is one of my favorite films of all time. One of the best sci-fi films maybe <laughs> ever. Uh and um which also has Brian Blessed and uh, Timothy Dalton, a Timothy Bond. Dalton is in it. Uh, very interesting. Um, so, real quick, because I want to hear your thoughts on Topol. I want to tell you two other people that they considered for this role. Okay. Uh, the first one they originally asked Danny Kay. Yeah, I get it. I get why. Because this is a. We should also say this is an MGM United Artists co-production. These are yeah. Two they're huge wanting huge studios. stars. Yeah, they're wanting huge stars. But Danny Kaye at the time, like, had he made his? I mean, he's definitely a massive star. But like, where where is he in terms of musicals right now? I don't even know. 
like well he'd white christmas. At that point he had done white christmas he'd but done like what's surrounding this like yeah i'm looking yeah because white christmas I, is so long before this i think I mean, by that point I, I think by this point so we're talking late 60s early 70s he's on the <laughs> danny k show is that still going on yeah he had his show which are you was okay you're gonna die no i'm fine I, is it covid no, uh no. i've got it uh here comes Peter Cottontail. <laughs> yeah, he's doing TV movies. He's on some. He's on um, Rowan and Martin's Laughing in, in, in the seventies. He's doing he a lot of review. Kind he of yeah. yeah, he's kind of falling off. He, you know, he ends up doing Captain Hook and Mister Darling in a Peter Pan TV movie in seventy six. He's all over the place, but he's, um, yeah. you know, I mean. It's interesting. So I was thinking maybe the court jester was around this time. Court jester came out in '55, right yeah, after White Christmas. Yeah, long, long before. Interesting. Yeah. So he his career has sort of waned by this time. He's about a decade out. His his show has been canceled by this point. Mm-hmm. Danny K show. So anyway, they asked him first. The the other person who begged for this role. Um, oh, by the way, Danny K turned it down because his wife told him he was uh, he was too young. She was looking out for his image. Now he would have been like 45, 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was like, she was like, no, you can't start taking old roles yet. And he was like, okay. So he didn't take it. Uh, the person who really wanted this role and begged and begged and begged for it was Frank Sinatra. I read that too, and I was like, yeah. no, the hell, <laughs> wouldn't have made sense. And besides Guys and Dolls, he. I know he was always looking for those roles. He always wanted to be in movie musicals. That was like a big thing for him. But he never really gets any of them besides this one. No, right? Despite... Is he in Pal Joey? I don't know. He's yeah, in something he was. Else. You know, he did. Yeah, he did. Well, he did a lot of movies, but he didn't do a not, lot of musicals. Not stage yeah. shows that became movies. Yeah, though, right. No, not at all. Um, I'm look and up what his a IMDb. weird choice! Like you know. Also, Frank Sinatra is a fucking motherfucker. <laughs> Well, you well, you're probably he's not, not a motherfucker. He's a he's he a child. Up, fucker yeah, he ended up he being is, a yeah. real right winger weirdo, especially towards the end of his life. So. And a pedophile and a terrible yeah. person. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of terrible terrible things. He and I'm glad and, it wasn't him. <laughs> he and Dean Martin can go ahead and 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 fuck off and die. Wow, they did that already. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> cut all of that, Scott. Jeez, we I'm not cutting any of it. The, but the ghosts of nah, Martin and Sinatra. Okay. Yeah, let them come. They'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be Let right. them come. Uh, I guess he did do On the Town. Is that a was that a musical first or a movie first? I don't even know. Uh, ooh. Oh, I think it was a movie first. I, I think, think you're it was right. a movie musical. I think you're yeah. right. It was a movie musical. So it wasn't a musical that was turned into a movie. Uh, which is what we're covering here. So we're not going to fucking talk about it anymore. Um, we should we do should do a shout out to Zero. Well, okay, Unless so the original, obviously, was Zero Mustel, who they didn't even really approach. He was no. playing it on Broadway, right? Yeah, Norman yeah. Jewison wasn't felt at the that time he... playing it on Broadway. He oh, he wasn't. Been, okay. He had finished by that yeah. point. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But Norman Jewison just felt that he was he Zero like Mustel. Yeah. And that, that, he w- that you would never get past that it was Zero Mustel, and then he needed somebody who would, you know come to define that role and he 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 picked it like a motherfucker he nailed yeah. it uh other people that have played tevia that i think are important uh, alfred molina played tevia yeah. in the revival <laughs> which i used to listen to that one a good amount actually i listened to that over the zero mustel um and then also uh danny burstein did it what three years ago now four years ago now um and uh, they did sort of a modern twist 
on the beginning and end as if they were like coming together to tell this story to you. And sounds interesting. Um, I don't think he won the, the Tony. I think he was nominated. It was like his sixth Tony nomination and he still didn't win. Uh, completely insane. I'm a huge Danny Burstein fan. He was the, he did, uh, yeah. Luther Billis in the South Pacific at Lincoln Center mm. um, yeah. in 2006 or whatever that was. Uh, he, I'm a big fan. Big fan. Uh, he was also the he was in Moulin Rouge most recently. He was the the dude, the Ziegler. Oh, yeah, yeah, and 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 on Broadway. Uh, okay, well, good times, y'all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are your topol takes? Give me your topol takes. Oh my oh, god, man. I think he just nails it. Like he he he's just. Like I said, that scene where he, where he's talking to the guard for the first time. Yes, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Yeah. Um, he's great, and I love how they stage those the monologues and the asides. They all of a sudden there's this great distance between whomever he's talking about and oh yeah, um, those little things. And then you know he's you just love him. You just love that that he has a a joie de vivre and that he's uh, that he loves his family so much it's just so yeah i do wonder if you love him so much that golda becomes just a nagging wife though that's something to consider oh i don't feel that way okay good because i know that some people have looked at it especially in the jewish community and been like feels like a stereotype feels like a stereotype i i think especially with the way norma crane plays it i i don't I don't feel that. I think she no. is actually more than anything sort of just like so aware of who her husband is that she's just like, mm-hmm, okay, well, go do this thing anyway. You can <laughs> die from such a man. You can well, die and, from such a man. Well, and you know you read too. She found out when they were filming this that she right. had breast cancer, and she only died two, Crane, years yeah. oh, so two years later. So only Topol and Norman oh. knew yeah. that she was suffering and during filming. She is oh. phenomenal. She's not... And CJ, I want to hear your total take. Uh, yeah. But I don't. We'll, we'll we'll get to her. We'll get to her because I think she's next. We'll talk about her next. Go ahead, Siege. Something I think I I think that Topol does really. I mean, he's just amazing from top to bottom. Like I don't know. I, I he is Tevia to me. I've never seen it any other way. I've only done the play myself. So you didn't I, see me in two thousand seven. I didn't. I'm it's sorry. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> Sold out um, houses, but it's fine. Something. The other thing that I connected with so much <laughs> with this, and he is so lovable and you immediately connect with him is you're not only dealing with like historically what's going on at this time but then also just the other parent stuff of your daughters leaving yeah. and getting married and moving away and trying uh, new things and maybe they're not going to stay home and maybe they won't be safe and like the train connect, station scene yeah mm. you connect to the Ugh. family dynamic too and because like i remember again back in all white all Christian Midwest, my par- my friends talking about their parents always cry whenever they hear the song Sunrise Sunset because mm. that's something any parent can connect to. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. And that's oh, and that the way that's filmed is so beautiful and they don't use any electric lighting. It's all candlelight yeah. and it's like thousands of candles. I'm sure a fire broke out at some point. Like it just like <laughs> I, just supposedly absolutely breathtaking even to just be on set that day. Uh, yeah, I love that song so much and I think you're right. I think he specifically Topol brings that to this so well, mm-hmm. right? And even just you that want first him to Sabbath be your dad. prayer, like, yeah, that first Sabbath prayer. I used to ask my parents if we could do something uh, like that because yeah. I was just like, this feels like they're so in sync with each other. We never are like that. Let's do yeah. that, right? 
Um, I want to talk about Golda. The traditions are really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Uh, I want to talk about Golda, uh, Norma Crane. She's absolutely incredible. She's, uh, I don't think, the strongest singer in this film. I think she's more of a character actress. 100%. I would, yeah. Yeah. But she's doing some some interesting stuff. Uh, can I tell you real quick some other people that were considered for this role? Yeah. Colly Dewhurst, Zoe yeah. Caldwell, Dorothy Loudon, Lee Grant, and mm-hmm. the uh, the the one that actually Norma Crane kind of looks like, uh, Anne Bancroft. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, yeah I read that. Which would have been great. Yeah. Anne Bancroft would have been great, and she's oh, she's yeah. also a singer, and she's you know well I don't know how how much singing she really did, but she sings in that one Mel Brooks movie, um, <laughs> Chairs or whatever. Um, what is that called? What is it? Not the Chairs. The I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Well, they were or is married. it to be or not to be? She's in oh, to be or not to be. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they one were of those. married. It was one of the great romances in Hollywood. So beautiful. Uh, anyway, I'm mixing up all my all my pop culture today, y'all. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but but I think she's I think she's fantastic in this. And yeah, I think it can be seen as as that to some people. But you also it's in how you play it. And I don't think Norma plays it that way. She no. yeah. I mean, I, they I feel like they solidify the whole dynamic too of like. There's so many songs and there's so many lines and monologues about like, I'm the papa, I'm the man of the house, I make all the decisions, I tell people what to do, but then you see all of these scenes and it happens with the two of them, with, with Tevye and Golda quite a bit, but then you see it happen with Saitol and Model of like, the men are like, I'm in charge, and the women are like, <laughs> please. And then you see what's the action, because the women, the men were going out and like making a living and doing all that shit, but the women were running the household and, and raising yeah. the children and cooking and doing everything else. So yeah, totally. I don't know, I've always, I, I maybe, it's, maybe it's how the musical was brought to me through my voice teacher and stuff, but to me, Golda was always like, she wasn't a nag. She was just the strong woman that kind of had to put up with the goofy guy that, did silly things from time to time. Yeah. Sure. And she's very aware of who her husband is, right? She's it's very like, self-possessed. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So some other things I just, cause while I'm listing these like other people that were almost cast, I think it's worth mentioning uh, model was almost Rob Reiner. <laughs> uh, and it also went to, uh, it was offered to John Ritter. All right. Oh, wow. It would have been interesting. Uh, and then it was also offered to Richard Dreyfus. Now, <gasps> could have huh. been interesting. He does sing. Uh, but I've also been recently, Blank Check Podcast has been covering Fosse. And they just did all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Lin-Manuel Miranda on as the guest. It was oh fantastic. My God, it's fun. a fantastic episode. I highly recommend it. Uh, but they covered all that jazz. And they talk about how uh, Fosse is... All That Jazz is a biopic of Fosse's life directed by Fosse, written and directed by Fosse. Yeah. Wow. So it's like very, uh, you know, Hal Prince. There's someone that plays Hal Prince. There's somebody that plays Neil Simon. There's somebody that pl- It's like everyone in his life. And Richard Dreyfus was originally playing Fosse, mm. uh, which I, in the movie, his name is like Gideon, something Gideon. I don't know, Jane yeah, yeah. Gideon or so, something like that. Um, but he's playing Fosse in the movie for a couple of weeks of rehearsal and then he drops out. And all all the accounts basically say that Dreyfus just could not dance. Oh, just wow. like could not pick up the steps and it was Fosse. So they're like, all right, yeah, well maybe. Yeah. So who do they end up casting? Do either of you know who they end up casting as Fosse and all Roy that Scheider. Jazz? It's Roy Scheider, the other star from Jaws. Jaws, yeah. <laughs> 
And I think uh, they had a, they had a falling out for a while because of that. I think that's true. I think you're right. Yeah. But he he takes it on, and he's not really a dancer either. But they cut around it enough that he can like do the thing, and then they cut away. You know. Um, so that's all very interesting. But then Leonard Frey goes on to uh, get an Oscar nom. He was not playing this role on Broadway. He was playing other smaller roles in the ensemble on Broadway. Oh, okay. And auditioned and got it, which is all pretty right. cool. That is yeah. cool. Um, he was playing, you know, like the the rabbi's son who's like with him and, and right. like things like that, yeah. the, the smaller things. Um or like Nahum the beggar or like whatever, you know, he was mm-hmm, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other one person I want to shout out, uh, actually, I'll see if you can guess it. Who did they want for Perchik? Someone that was at not the height of their fame necessarily, but at a at a big time in their in their fame, a massive star even to this day. Someone who has been Oscar nominated many times, probably won some. I can't remember at this point, uh, and is now an old man who does like Nancy Myers movies and other things like know. that. He's in one of the Godfathers. Okay. <laughs> Marlon Brando. Robert De Niro. Huh. Uh, think about age at the time, right? He was he's a bit younger. So he was he yeah, they no, wanted see, yeah. in seventy one, right? So they they wanted De Niro. Uh he turned it down. We don't really know why. But I don't know that is he a singer? I don't know. No, no, it, w- it wouldn't have right? worked. Right? Because that Perchick sings well, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Does he even sing? Does Perchick sing? He has what a song. Sing? Well, I, he has a song in the musical, but I don't know if they cut it for the movie. So I was it's... wondering if it's in the movie or not. Yeah. There's a few cut songs. Right. Um, it's interesting. One, and please correct me if my if I'm wrong. Once I found out, once I realized that Norman Jewison also directed Jesus Christ Superstar, and I remember saying this about about it when we covered the movie uh, last time, was something I love about this movie is they hired a bunch of people that felt like theater people, and it sounds like they were trying to go for some big fucking names, and then they didn't. And it's I don't know. I just. Jesus Christ Superstar is like that, where you have like the two main characters, but then you have all of these side characters that have a great song or a couple great scenes, and they just hired a lot of talented people that knocked the part out of the role, as opposed to yeah. who can we get that's going to put butts in seats. And, and I think that was Jewison because he was both producer and director. He was able to sort of he he didn't have anybody overseeing any of that, so he was the one who, like you said, Scott, wanted it to be a little darker, a little less zero mustel, right? Yeah. A little less, and so I think he just went f- with more like looks and vibes. Looks and vibes. I mean, because you're right, it's incredible. I mean, because how many of them went on to do other big stuff? Yeah. Uh, Perchick did Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's the joke. Like, it's kind of a little hard to watch it, like in, in that sense, like because you're yeah. so aware of that. But none, like, none of the women really no. did anything after that. And no. Topol's sort of the the star. The, well, the and it's like Ted Neely and Jesus Christ Superstar just kept doing Jesus forever. And I know yeah. Topol, I know Topol's done a lot more stuff, but he's, you know, until yeah. a couple years ago was still doing Tevya. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's kind of, you know, it's like Ellen Green and Little Shop. We'll get to that. I mean, you know, she still does it now and then. And mm. I think she's in her 60s, right? Maybe right. Like seven years be. old. Yeah. But you, you just, you know, oh, oh, well, oh, oh. Sorry, just because I just saw her picture while I was scrolling through, I just want to shout this out. 
Molly Picon as Yenta. Yeah. Phenomenal performance. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was, like, you know, older at this time, but was a huge star. Right. Um, so she's maybe somebody that... And Norma Crane had a career. But Mo Molly Picon obviously is a massive star. But you're correct that, like, Hoddle, Hava, Seidel, they don't really... I'm looking at their IMDb's, like, some interesting stuff in here. Like... <laughs> The, the the documentary <laughs> about Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Seidel didn't really do oh. anything else afterwards. Yeah. That she did play, Seidel specifically, Rosalind Harris did play uh -huh. Fanny Bryce in The Cotton Club. Yes. Oh, Kind of okay. interesting. Um, but that's it. Like, that's really all she does. Um, right. Was, yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the other ones, but I, I their performances are great. Yeah. yeah, no, they they all and, and again, it's all the whole thing is put together. Everything, every box is clicked. This music check, story check, yeah. actors check, DP check, director check, production design check. Like it all just looks gorgeous and like just some of those scenes in the second act like when he's just moving the goddamn the the cart across yeah, the yeah, yeah. Way, you know frozen waste tundra well and even when they leave anatevka i'm bawling my eyes oh out, god of right? course mm -hmm. yeah i mean and it's just absolutely incredible i want to i want to hear your favorite numbers in the show y'all but first cj you did say something minorly blasphemous and i just have to point it out oh no paul michael glazer of starsky and hutch <laughs> yes he did starsky and hutch he's done some other cool stuff specifically he he directed <laughs> the running man he did he okay did. i which I we love I think what I was more speaking to was where they were when they were cast in this movie. Oh, as yeah. opposed to like, what did they do? Right. Afterwards? No, no, no. But when we're talking about like, but, but the question was right. presented right. by Scott, what did, what have the women done? Yes. And like, maybe some of the men have it. He's also, now I just, because, okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. He's well, also in one of my favorite movies of all time, which is also a Nancy Myers film. We already brought up Nancy Myers. This is Diane Keaton's, Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Keanu Reeves joint. <laughs> what is it? Anyone? Wait. Oh, Wolf? Was it Wolf? No. no. What? Nancy what Myers. Nancy Myers movie with Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton, Keanu Reeves, Amanda Peet, Francis McDormand. Anyone? No. Something's got to give. Are you kidding? Oh, it's not We're great, gonna... bro. First Wife's Cub. <sighs> Club. I'm gonna, as good we're as going gets. to First Wives Club rocks. First of all, <laughs> yes. as good as it gets is fine. Nope, nope. This is here's. Mm, mm, <laughs> we're gonna cover something's got to give as an end stuff. After I finish the lives, I'm gonna I make y'all watch it because I, not only is it a brilliant film, but also it's about a woman writing a play about the circumstances that she's in. So we're gonna watch it. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, it's. Fine. I love that movie. It's okay. Keanu Reeves is great in that movie. He's okay. I'm going to throw fun. this chair at your face. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I'm so angry now. Um, know, no, it's, I'm, I'm kidding. I but do, pa do. Paul Michael Glazer has been great. What are your favorite numbers in this <sighs> film? Because the, the first thing that always comes to mind, no matter what, for me, is the bottle dance. Oh, Oh, of course. Yeah. Every time. I just that go. That whole goddamn bam, wedding. Bam, 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 uh, the whole bam, wedding. Bam, bam, oh, my God. Bam, bam, bam. Get me a fucking clarinet. I want to hear it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's fantastic. The whole wedding is just uh, gorgeous. I, last night in rewatching 
loved the um do you do you still love me do you love do me you love, love me oh my god yeah. like and they both play i love it. you and it's like you know yeah neither of them are the prettiest best voices ever but they're both so in the moment and just them sitting on the bed and it's so intimate and and lovely but I could, and, I could oh. listen to Topol go from his his extremely low register all the way up to his little like voice cracks. I could listen to that all day. Yeah. Oh yeah. What I did notice um, I uh, me and uh, and Krasner, Brian Krasner, friend of the pod, and my roommate, we were watching it. He gets into um, uh, Tom Hardy Bane voice territory a few times. But I, yeah, Tom Hardy is doing a, a vaguely a topal. Yeah, yes. yeah, maybe yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, the, on the roof, you say, Batman. <laughs> yeah, Topol did it first. A fiddler on the roof. I actually do a really solid Tom Hardy Bane. It's fine. Uh, I thought he was a great villain. Bane scared the fuck out of me. Everyone made fun of him, villain. but he villain. was scary. Well, they did re-record all of his lines because apparently they did some test screenings and everyone was like, People were like we cannot hear a word he's saying. A word and he's on. squeaking. He was going like, oh, what are you doing? I like the Bane and Harley Quinn, the, the oh, alien It's series. hilarious. Um, <laughs> So great. for my favorite songs, um, mm -hmm. I have so many. I mean, Tradition is great. The whole fucking violin solo while the credits are rolling is great. If I Were a Rich Man has hardcore singing into my hairbrush in front of my mirror. Uh -huh. so, um, L'Chaim is great. Um, Sunrise, Sunset, The Sabbath Prayer. There's so many good songs yeah and, that's all first act though right like but what? i also love do you love me that's a beautiful one too yeah that's beautiful i also love all of the little asides uh -huh. i know some of those are um um spoken but in the musical some of them are sung mm -hmm. and there and it's and there's like those kind of things i love the dream Oh, the dream oh, sequence is it tevia's like, nightmare or tevia's, tevia's nightmare yeah yeah, yeah. it from um, because if you have a good Frumacera, it can rock. You know, you That's make where her they massive got to get and fly super her around the theatrical stage. in the movie too. Like Absolutely. they fucking went for it. And I read something about the they used a crazy um, film filter for that particular scene too. Like they just went for it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's, really cool. It's gorgeous, mm -hmm. gorgeous. Uh, what else do we want to say? We've been we've been going almost an hour now. I figure. We've been going, yeah. Over. Do we want to? Do we want to split these episodes? I yeah, I think we have to. Yeah, we have to. I think we have to because we'll. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we won't. We'll save our our end stuff. Our end stuff, not our end stuff. It's different. Uh, we'll save our end stuff for Little Shop then. Yeah. 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 Well, we don't need to do spotlights because this will come out Sunday, and then we'll have uh, another one Wednesday. Right. Yeah, I don't have any spotlights anyway it. right now. I don't have any spotlights either. Go see Free, yeah. Lo Free Style of Supreme. Yeah. That's all I got. Um, okay. Uh, what do we... Is there any final thoughts you have on Fiddler on the Roof, the film? It's a masterpiece. masterpiece. Yeah, I'm masterpiece. so glad we watched it. Yeah, good call. It was good. fun. It was now CJ's we need to pick. watch it together. Yeah. CJ's pick. Thanks, Siege. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for, for indulging me. I just love this movie so much. It's one of those I haven't... I haven't put on in so long Same. because you, it's a commitment. It's two yeah. and a half hours, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to sit yeah. down and I'm going to watch Fiddler. It's a rarity, you know? Yeah. But so worth it. Such a good time. I enjoyed it. I implore you all, 
to please go watch this film again um i think i watched it on something did i stream oh no i have the blu-ray <laughs> sorry <laughs> i watched the blu-ray um yeah uh anything else y'all final thoughts no that's it unwrap it it's three hours long by the way i said it was two oh, yeah. and a half hours it's no, three it's hours three hours and one minute three hours and one minute yeah also rated g that surprised me for good yeah. times yeah <laughs> well the rating system was different back then they had g sure. and pg so if it was pg it was like oh boobies right. oh <laughs> um yeah okay cool well then thanks for joining us for part one of four of theater theater bonus sixth episode about movies and so turning musicals into movies that's what we're calling it yeah <laughs> thanks for joining us for fiddler on the roof uh that's all i got job questions comments let us know what y'all thought about fiddler on the roof who did you play when you did the Summer Theater Guild version of it? <laughs> uh, was it appropriate? Probably not. But Probably anyway, not. Um, <laughs> you can email us. You can also reach us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Scott? Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes shout our out. theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It yeah. is true. A big shout out to Pamela Quinn, who wrote our special In Stuff bonus episode song, which you heard at the beginning of this episode. She'll be with us next uh, next time uh, to talk uh, more stuff. And we love her and Pam's a genius. She's yeah. genius. Yeah. And finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes. Hey, Scott. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to stop doing this bit because I just want you to get through this one time without me interrupting you like an Annie yeah. Baker play. I okay. think it's fucking hilarious. And yeah, you're right. I'm going to keep doing it. it. <laughs> keep doing it. <laughs> one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. Yeah. It's true. We're going to buy you a beer. We're going to buy you a PBR or whatever you want. Hefefeisen. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. We love you all so deeply. And uh, we'll see you next time for Little Shop of Horrors. Go watch it. Bye. Bye. I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key. Before I make the mistake. Before I lead with the worst of me. Give them no reason to stare. No slipping up, you slip away. I don't even know these notes. So I got nothing to share. No, I got nothing to say. Step out, step out of the sun if you keep getting burned. Step out, step out of the sun. Because you've learned. Because you've learned. Later, everybody. <laughs> On the outside, always. <laughs> the theater, the theater. Theater, theater. <laughs>